you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Somebody ought to give all of our men a great big God bless you this morning. We have been encouraged. I want to take your attention to the book of James, the fifth chapter, and the passage I'm going to read this morning is incredibly familiar to all of us, I would guess, as this passage is so important to facet of our church, laying hands on the sick, praying for them, and believing in divine healing through the anointing of oil and laying hands on the sick. And so uh, this passage, of course, I believe is greater than just about laying hands on the sick and more than just about uh, praying over the sick, but I do believe this passage speaks deep into our hearts about the heart's cry and the effectual and the fervent prayer. Amen. James chapter 5 verse 13, is any among you afflicted, let him pray. Is any merry, let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So when we 
come forward and we take oil and we anoint. This is an obedience to James chapter 5. Verse 15 says, And the prayer of faith, everybody say the prayer of faith. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Everybody say effectual and fervent. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Lord, we need your help this morning as we open your word and I pray that you open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits this morning to, Lord, to the things of God and that your word may settle into our spirits. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. In Exodus, the third chapter, the Lord speaks to the children of Israel and says, I have seen the afflictions, meaning that with his eye, with his worldview, he has seen the afflictions of his people that were in the bondage of Egypt. And he said, I have heard their cry. I have heard their cry, or I have heard their fervent prayer because of all that they're going through. And he says, I, I know their sorrows, and he knew their sorrows because he had heard their cry and he had seen their afflictions, therefore he knew their sorrows. And then he says in verse 8 of Exodus chapter 3, therefore I am come down to deliver them. By the help of the Lord this morning, I am going to talk to you for a little while, and um, last week I said a, a little while, and I, and I preached a long time. And afterwards, somebody came up and said, well, when you said a, a little while, I knew you were going to preach uh, for a long space of time. But if you'll help me and the Lord will help me this morning, I will not be long today. And uh, we'll, we'll, I'll save some energy for tonight because we're going to be back here at 6 o'clock tonight to have a great time in the Lord. Amen. But I don't want to just go through the motions this morning. I want to speak life into this house today. I know we're running an hour earlier on our... Uh, on our physical clock this morning, it, it may not say 1121 because we're feeling that 1021 this morning, but we are here in the house of the Lord and let's see what God has for us. With the help of the Lord, I'm going to preach praying for change, praying for change. In June of 1776, while Thomas Jefferson was drafting the words that declare American independence and its principles which claim which it claimed to be based commander george washington was moving 15,000 troops into position on long island in manhattan in preparation for a major engagement pardon me with anticipation and preparation for a major engagement with a larger british force commanded by General William Howe. Enamored with the prospects of a quick 
American victory, Washington unwittingly placed the Continental Army in the most vulnerable position possible and created conditions for dramatic defeat. As both sides readied themselves for engagement, another major setback hit Washington's regiments as smallpox was taking the lives of many of his top aides and leaving several units without field-grade officers. It seemed clear what would happen next. The revolution would be short-lived. The war was on, and in just one day, Long Island was lost with 300 casualties and 1,000 prisoners. Not only that, but Washington's war strategy of dividing the army into two companies gave the British a perfect opportunity to end the war quickly. Over the next couple of months, the British army was successfully wiping out the revolution with defeat on every side and disease still running rampant in his army, aides on the verge of mutiny and begging for retreat, Washington decided we're not retreating, but we're going to hold the course. He refused to back down, and as a result, he engineered one of the critical turning points in all of American history. While British leaders inexplicably were wintering in New York, Washington engineered a surprise attack of at all times on Christmas night across the ice-choked Delaware River. For the first time, the Continental Army had outmaneuvered its British counterparts and had for the first time gone on the offensive. This attack led to victories in Trenton and then on into Princeton. They were not much by the way of casualties or even damage that was in, much damage that was inflicted to the British army, army, but it had a major psychological effect on the American public opinion. As Ellis states in his biography about Washington, he says, what had appeared to be a loss now gave people a new lease on life. It was what the historians had called a moment of great change because of a time of great desperation. It changed the course of American history. And the rest of the story is history because here we stand as an independent country. I didn't come here this morning to talk about American history, but I did come to talk to you about the need that may be among some of us that are in this building today that have been under a great deal of attack for a very long time. Perhaps some in this room feels like no matter what our strategy is, it always seems like that the enemy overcomes us. It seems like that whatever the weapon is, we end up losing. Whatever the strategy is, we end up in defeat. 
as soon as we think we have a hand up, it seems like the physical attack continues to come. As soon as we feel like we are cresting the mountain to look over at the valley on the other side, it seems we are met with the next mountain peak that is ahead of us, and we continue to climb. I didn't come this morning to preach a message of gloom and despair, but my heart has been stirred in the room this morning because I feel like that some of us stand in desperate need for a move of God to change some things in our lives. I don't think I'm alone this morning standing in this pulpit talking about the need for us to pray prayers that moves heaven and changes the world. I'm believing today that the majority that are in this room have something in your life that you feel like I need God to come through on my behalf. If that's you today, then we're going to connect for just a few moments in this house as I'm going to preach for a little while about a God that is able to take your situation and turn it around. I'm going to preach to you this morning about a God that knows no impossibilities and about a God that did not destine you for defeat, but he destined you to walk from victory to victory. I came this morning to encourage somebody and tell you, don't stop praying, don't stop believing, don't stop strategizing, for no weapon formed against us shall prosper. somebody contact Ice Mountain and tell them that I would like to use their water, but I'm having a problem because they are making these plastic bottles so thin that when you take the top off, this what this is what happens. I sleep with water next to my bed, and when I take the top off in the middle of the night, that's what happens. I get baptized over and over again. Well, in Jesus' name, was I preaching? I think I was preaching about a God that would deliver us out of whatever the enemy brings against us. I know he didn't promise us that we would never go through hardship. He didn't promise us that we would never go through struggle. He didn't promise us that we were never going to fight battles, that you were never going to have issues in the flesh, that you were never going to deal with heartache and pain and physical ailment and sickness. As a matter of fact, he said it rains on the just and the unjust. That tells me that what you are going through is not because that you're not right with God or what you're going through is not because you are right with God. It just means some things are part of life. It just means that some things that you deal with is just because this old body was born into sin, shaping into iniquity, and here we are, and age happens to all of us. Some days, somebody the other day said, well, you know, uh, it all starts downhill after 40, and I was like, oh, Jesus. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit on the other side of that 40 mark, and, 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 and somebody's wanting to claim that, but... I, I, I don't, I don't want to claim it, but I do have to tell you that when I got up this morning, I, I felt some brand new aches and pains this morning. Anybody understand what I'm preaching about today? Because this body, is, it's, it's prone to pain and anguish and 
we, we deal with emotional pain and mental stress and financial problems. And, 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 and I'm just up here by myself this morning. Anybody in here have issues at home and issues on the job? If your spouse is next to you, don't clap too loud when I say this, but issues in the home? Listen, these kind of things happen. It's part of life. But I want to remind you this morning that sometimes God allows some things to happen in our life so that we will get desperate enough to turn to him and begin to pray and seek his face and say, God, look, I can't stay where I am, and I'm going to take an unconventional way of going about this. If it means I've got to pray two or three or four times a day, if I've got to change what I've been doing and start doing it differently, I'm going to do whatever you say to me to do. Oh, I wish I could challenge somebody this morning. I'm not saying you're not praying. I didn't come to criticize somebody this morning. But I am telling you, if you're not praying, there's not much going to happen in your life. And if you are praying, maybe you ought to try changing it up a little bit. Instead of praying one time a day, maybe you ought to pray two or three times a day. Maybe you ought to add a little something to it so that you get the attention of heaven and let God know, hey, I'm not just down here whining, but I am desperate in my affliction. The writer said, is any sick among you? Are any afflicted among you? If you're sick, call for the elders of the church, but if you're afflicted, ah, afflicted on every side. Afflicted in your mind, afflicted in your body. If any are afflicted among you, it isn't somebody else's job to pray for you. We're big on anointing people with oil that are sick, but can I take a few minutes this morning to tell you that we are going to have to get desperate. We talk about praying effectually and fervently when we lay hands on people and pray for them when we anoint them with oil. But how about those of us that have been in affliction for a very long time, like the children of Israel that had been in bondage in Egypt for 400 years, and now here they are under the load of bondage and and, and, and restraint and going through things that were never, they, they, they were not built to be able to handle in the middle of their affliction, the book of Exodus tells us that God heard their cry because of what they were going through. This sometimes may explain why. That God allows us to go through some of the things we go through. Maybe God is allowing us to get to a point where we'll be willing to change our method That you get desperate enough, afflicted enough, going through enough, dealing with enough that you will say, you know what, if the way I've been doing it isn't working, I'm going to start doing it, doing it differently. I'm going to try praying more. I'm going to try fasting more. I, 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 feel, I feel it just kind of shutting down in here when I start challenging people to step up to more. But what about those that have been dealing with affliction, affliction in your home, affliction in your body, affliction in your mind, affliction on every side. But we're just, hey, we're 
would you pray for me? Would you pray for, would you pray for me? But the Bible said if any are, fl- are afflicted among you that we need to pray for ourselves. And right on down a little further, it says the effectual and fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That means if what we have been doing is not being effective, then change it and find what is effective. Well, is it just prayer, prayer? I believe that. But I do believe that we can shift. I've talked a little bit about this over the last few months. I've talked a little bit about a shift away from performance-based prayer, which is prayer that we pray uh, just, you know, we're, we're running against the clock. You know, I, I, I committed to praying half hour a day. I, I, that, was, that was my New Year's. My, my, at the beginning of the new year, I made a resolution, and and, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray 20 minutes a day, and so we we kneel to pray, and we get our watch out, and we set the clock, or we set the phone, and we say, uh, "Here we're going to start right here," and we're waiting for that for that alarm to go off to tell us that we have performed. We we feel like that, but what? How we know that we've touched heaven is if we, you know, we, we've prayed hard and our lungs are tired by the time we finish our, our season of prayer. But the truth is, effectual prayer is simply this, prayer that touches heaven and moves God. What does touch heaven and move God? Does he expect us to, 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 to cut ourselves with lamp, lancets and leap upon the altar? That's what the prophets of Baal did to try to get the attention of false gods. So what does God expect from us? What he's looking for from us is for us to get on location with him. That means tuning out everything that is around us, putting everything else aside, and getting on location with God. It doesn't matter. Listen, here's what I'm going to tell you. If you've been saying, hey, I'm going to pray 20 minutes a day, wonderful, good. 30 minutes a day, an hour a day, wonderful, good. But I am less interested in how long you pray than I am if you are touching God with your prayer. When somebody asks me to pray, there's one thing that I don't want to do, and that is ever tell them, I'll say a prayer for you. I'm not too much on saying prayers. That sounds a little ritualistic to me. I'll just say a prayer. That sounds rather Pharisaic. Let me pray as the publicans and the sinners. Let me pray to be heard. Let me pray. Let me pray with words that would really be amusing to people, let let me pray in a way, let me say a prayer. I'm not interested in saying a prayer. But I want to pray a prayer that is effectual and fervent. First, first let me me deal with the word fervent because a fervent prayer uh, in proper translation, if you go to the original text, it is dealing with a fiery or heartfelt prayer. It is talking about a prayer that that is like hot coals that would be pulled out of the fire. You know what you you know all you need to do is pull a hot coal out of a fire and you can move it over to some dry wood that is not on fire and you can put that hot coal and you can put it in there and just fan it just a little bit and before long that hot coal will catch will start another fire. 
me tell you what. Let me tell you what I believe. I believe in the church. If some of us would just would just say, you know what, I'm going to take. I'm just going to start praying in 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 a different manner, in a different way. Maybe maybe it would be good for us to show up sometime on a Wednesday night, expecting a Bible study, and just walk in here and find out. You know what, I'm coming in like a hot coal. I'm just going to get in here on Wednesday night, and everybody comes in thinking we're going to lay back and relax, but we're going to pile some wood onto this fire onto this coal, and it's going to ignite a fire, and we're going to have a Wednesday night revival that is unplanned. But what if, what if it was just supposed to be an easy evening at home with not much to do, but somebody says, I just pulled the coal out of the fire and I'm going to pull my family together and we're going to have a spontaneous prayer meeting in our home. You want to change your home? It's not going to be through another program. It's not going to be through more education. You want to change your home? Start a revival fire. Start a prayer revival in your home. fervent prayer. So the effectual prayer is a prayer that touches God and moves heaven, causes him, causes him to move because of prayer. That kind of prayer can change God's mind. That kind of prayer summons the attention of God. I've come to, the, I, I've come to, to terms with the fact that God is under no obligation to meet me on my terms. I hear people praying and they, you know, uh, people talking and like, well, if God will do this, then I will do that. God isn't going to operate on your terms. Oh, no. He left us his word and he said, if you will, then I will. See, we say if God does, then I will. That's not how God's word operates everywhere in his word. He says, if you will, then I will. If you will pray and seek my face, then I will heal the land. Mm -hmm. If there's any sick, if you if you will call for the elders of the church and they will anoint you with oil, I, I will heal the land. If any's afflicted, if he will pray the effectual fervent prayer, I will deliver him out of his affliction. It's all through the scripture. The children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt. But God heard their prayer before he delivered them. God's not going to deliver us. God can't answer a prayer that we've never prayed. Can I say that again? God's never answered a prayer that you haven't prayed. That's why prayer is important. Men's conference yesterday. Our speaker for the weekend was preaching, and he's a very, very gifted preacher, a student of the Word, one of the most knowledgeable men, brilliant mind. As a matter of fact, he was on track to be a surgeon, and God called him to ministry, and he dropped out of the medical field, but he made a commitment with God, and he said, I will apply myself to the study of the Word of God just as much as I would apply myself to the study of medical science to be a surgeon. And it has paid off. Brilliant man. 
But yesterday morning, he made a statement in a closed minister session. A couple of our ministers were in that room. And he made a statement. He said, if there's one thing that I regret, I regret that I didn't spend more time praying. You can do anything you want to do, but if you don't put prayer with it, it's not, there's not too much going to happen. I feel this morning like just telling somebody, if you will get desperate enough to say, I know prayer goes against my will. I know prayer goes against my schedule. I know prayer sometimes feels useless, but prayer is never useless. Today I come preaching like a desperate man to desperate people. I need a supernatural breakthrough that does more than just causes me to feel goosebumps and want to dance, but I need a move of the Holy Ghost that changes things in my life. Some of us in this room today have come to the same point. We're desperate for a miracle. We're tired of being touched, but nothing changing. We need to get down to business with God in prayer. I'm desperate enough for my healing that I will cry out to him in prayer. I will go about it in ways I never have before. I'm desperate enough for my deliverance that I'm willing to go out of the ordinary way and I am willing to go the extra to the extraordinary in order to see God move. When we get desperate enough, we don't care about what other people say or other people think. When all that matters in our life is that God shows up and that God changes things. When we get that desperate, it stops being about, I'm not going to do this and do that because I'm too busy. But when we feel the pain enough, that we'll begin to cry out in our desperation. And we will go to unusual means to pray and seek God. I promise you, He will move and touch on your behalf. My worship needs to declare my desperation for God. When the children of Israel became desperate enough to stop talking about it, they didn't ask God for their deliverance. But the Bible declares that they cried out for their deliverance. I believe that we are at a point in the church to where we've had enough church as usual. We've had enough good preaching come through. This is guests have come through this church and preached in this pulpit that we have become fat on the word of God but we are not fat on prayer if we want the revival that we say we want it's going to come through prayer if we want the miracles that we say we want, they're going to come through prayer. If we want our family saved, they're going to be saved because of prayer. If we want our situations to change, it will change because of prayer. Understand this. Egypt was being built on the backs of God's people. They hadn't done anything wrong. As a matter of fact, understand these were God's people. This was the children of Israel, God's chosen people. Yet for 400 years, they're living the life of a slave. There's no hope for them. But out of nowhere, the Lord begins to speak and says, Behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come up 
before you. You see that you see that analogy, the cry, the prayer of the children of Israel, not just not just the now I lay me down to sleep, but the Bible uses the word cry, the cry, the desperation of these people had come up before them 400 years. That means generations had passed. They're 400 years. Everybody had died off that knew what it was like for God to speak. Now for 400 years, they are imprisoned and put into the bondage of the Egyptians to work under hard taskmasters. The Lord said, Behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come up before me. What is the Lord saying? Hey, they've been dealing with this far too long. And when they got desperate enough that they began to cry out, just like any good father would toward his children, he said, I am not going to allow my children to cry, but I am going to come down to where they are and I am going to deliver them. It's like the voice of a father that has watched his child getting pushed around by bullies long enough, and eventually daddy steps in to say, no, you're not going to do this any longer. I do believe that God has sent me to tell somebody this morning that you have allowed things in the flesh and things of life to push you around and cause you to lose faith and believe that God doesn't know where you are and believe God doesn't care about where you are. I come this morning to rebuke that, that word of the enemy and declare God knows where you are. God cares about where you are and he sees your affliction and if you will pray and seek him, he will come down and will Deliver you. Somebody give God a shout of praise this morning. I'm quickly closing. I hear the voice of the Lord saying, I'm coming down to Frankfort, Indiana today, and I'm going to look down upon those that have changed their way. At the beginning of this year, you committed a prayer. You committed a fasting and consecration, and the Lord is coming today to say, I'm changing some things. I'm coming down to turn it around. I've been noticing. I've been watching. I've been seeing your prayer life change. I've been seeing things change and God is saying I'm coming down to change them. I'm coming down to change them. Here's what Psalm 126 says. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth with weeping, bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again. Listen, the Lord, the Lord is speaking all through the scripture. The psalm begins to write, listen, those of you that go forth in weeping, don't, don't worry, the Lord sees it. As a matter of fact, one scripture says that he literally bottles the tears that you cry. If you think God doesn't hear your prayer, when you pray and you think, man, I just wasted my time. God didn't hear me. He heard you. If you don't get anything else I say this morning, I want to encourage you and I want to ask you a question. Do you trust your brothers? That's a real question. Do you trust your prayers? Do you believe when you pray that God hears you? Do you have enough faith to believe that you're not wasting your time when you pray? 
that you're not wasting your time when you walk into church and come to the front of this room at the close and conclusion of a service and you lift your hands and begin to talk to the Lord. You're not just going through the motions. God is hearing you. And when he hears your cry, the scripture said he will come down to where you are. Watch this. The Old Testament ends. And then there's 400 years of silence. The Old Testament prophets are gone. They've moved off the scene. See, when the children of Israel were wandering and Moses is going up on the mountain and God's speaking to them, to Moses and telling him what to say and he brings laws down to his people. The people know it's God because they look on the mountain and see lightning and thundering and they know God moves in the tabernacle because they see the pillar of clouds and smoke. The Old Testament prophets come and speak. Waters part. All of these things happen, but now, at the end of the Old Testament, 400 years pass. There's no word. There's no voice. There's no earth-shattering, obvious signal that God is there and that God knows and that God hears and that God hears 400 years. And then out of nowhere, an angel of the Lord appears unto a young girl says I know it's been 400 years since any, since an angel has spoken but this is the first first word the thing that's birthed in you is of the Holy Ghost 400 years of silence and then all of a sudden God begins to speak again and it's all about Jesus appearing and then he comes on the scene. And now miracles begin to happen all over again. Signs and wonders and the mighty things. And people still doubted. And his, even his own people didn't even believe it was God. They just thought he's one, he's a man assuming the role and claiming he is the Messiah. But we'll still sit and wait for the real Messiah to come tell you this morning that God may have been silent in your life for a long space of time but when you get desperate enough to put him back on the throne and you begin to seek him and pray seek his face and trust him I want to tell you that Jesus comes on the scene things are going to change that desperate situation that you've been in he can deliver you out of it with just one word. He can take that dark situation and he can turn it around. Change can come into somebody's life here yet this morning. I'm going to ask you to stand with me across the room today. I'm not talking about some temporary change. I'm not talking about just a moment of somebody to shed tears, but I'm talking about lasting change. 
talking about permanent change. Like, like Jacob, when he left his prayer meeting, he left with a limp. It became obvious that he had been with the Lord. But the deal is, is he had to make up his mind, I won't let you go until you bless me. He had to make up his mind. I'm not, letting, I'm not letting this angel go until the blessing comes. He had to go about it in an unusual manner, in an unusual way. I believe God is here this morning, and he's here because somebody has been battling sickness, and you're going to have to grab a hold and say, God, I'm, I'm going to hold on. I'm not going to let you go. Maybe you've been dealing with mental and emotional stress, unending depression. Maybe you're battling an addiction in your life. You've got to grab a hold with that kind of tenacity this morning and say, I'm holding on until God comes through. Come on, somebody may feel like you're on the Ferris wheel. You, It's up and back down and up and back down. It's prayer and back through the valley. But God can come in this morning and change things in your life. He's in this house today. He wants to change things. He wants to work on your behalf this morning. If I preach to anybody in this room this morning and you know you need your situation to change, I've given you the recipe and it's just very simple. It's the effectual fervent prayer and walking in righteousness before God. If I've spoken to you this morning and you need a life change, you need a situational change, you need healing in your body, you need change in your heart, you need a change in your mind, I open these altars today for you to step forward and come and say, I'm coming today. I know it's Sunday morning, but I'm coming for a change in my life today. Why don't you join these that are coming forward today? Don't step back, but step forward and declare, I'm coming to him today. I'm coming to him today. He'll give peace that is beyond your imagination. Come on, let him minister to you today. Let him minister to you today. Let's turn this house into a prayer room for just a few moments this morning. Let God speak to your heart. Let's not just go through the motions of another service closed today, but let's reach out to him with a desperate prayer this morning. I'm seeking you this morning, God. I'm seeking you today.